Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Let's pray, hey? Lord, we just pray this morning that you'd speak to us and that you'd sharpen us and strengthen us in your word. Say everything that you want us to hear this morning, Lord, and we pray that you would release your presence in this place, in our hearts, in our homes, in our families. In Jesus' name, amen. A few years ago, I shared on a topic that I called the now and the not yet. And... Um, I want to just extend on that a little bit now because uh, it was a few years ago, so I think I can regurgitate some stuff. You know, they say reuse, recycle these days. So, no, it's just something that I've felt that, um, and I'm going to take this over a couple of parts um, because I felt that even in the season we're in now, there are promises of God that have been spoken and they're now but they're not yet. And it's a frustrating time to be in. So we're going to start reading in 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm just going to take the first snippet of this, which is the promise, and then we're going to duck right down the bottom of the chapter. So 1 Kings 18. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. And it's interesting. I'm just going to bring a couple of points out of this first part. First part says, after a long time. Interestingly enough, we think of Elijah, we think of prophets of God, and we think they're always getting words, and there's power moments and mountaintop experiences. But even with Elijah, the word of the Lord came after a long time. And so if you've been waiting a long time, you're in good company. Even with the prophet of God, after a long time. And often times, and maybe you know, we're in a season where we can't do everything the way we used to do it and it can seem like we're getting stretched or we're waiting too long for things. After a long time, God's word will come to you. I promise you. Because if it happens to Elijah, it happens to all of us. Go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. This is a promise. Every single one of us has a promise of God. Maybe not one, maybe it's a, a desire that he planted in our hearts or maybe you're just exploring Christianity or your faith or just becoming to awaken to who God is and who Jesus is. Well, let me tell you, he will place promises in your heart. They are like seeds and they need to be watered. They need to be prayed over. They need to be uh, rained on, so to speak, and then they need patience and perseverance and some fight to see them come to pass. We're going to duck right down to verse 41 as I continue in this, because in all those other verses, and you'll probably know the story, but Elijah basically defeats the prophets who are against God, and he gathers them all up and calls down fire and fire falls on his altar, not on theirs. He defeats them, kills them and wipes them out. And so we see a great victory of Elijah in this moment. So we're going to pick it up just after the victory. In verse 41, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. 
So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Verse 43, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. 44, the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, wind rose, heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel, about 27 kilometers. That's not a bad run for you runners. And interesting, there's so many points here that we can bring out, but I really want to try and simplify it to get to what God has said to me to share with us today. Sometimes we can get distracted, can't we? (laughs) We being me. But um, thanks, Maddie. Um, Go and look toward the sea. Interestingly enough, the land had been in famine. And that's why at the beginning I read God's promise said, I will send rain because they'd been in famine for years. And so God's promise comes in the famine. Did you hear that? God's promise comes in the famine, in the desert, in the dry places. And that's oftentimes we find ourselves in a, in a, in a situation or in a lifestyle where we might feel in a famine. I've said this before that I think all across the world there is a a little bit of a spiritual famine in a way that the water of the Spirit of God that was spontaneously flowing throughout the 90s, early 2000s isn't as spontaneous as it was. Holy Spirit hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. We haven't changed. But things can dry up a little bit. There's a bit of a, a famine, so to speak, spiritually. The good thing is the famine doesn't last forever. God promises to send rain in the famine. And go and look toward the sea. This is a, this is a, um, a moment where we can take of ourselves, and if we picture Elijah like the church for a moment, like the church, the body of Christ, we can see that God is always yearning us forward. He's just had a great victory. In fact, he's had a monumentous victory. Most of us, churches in particular, if we had a victory like that, we'd be having meeting after meeting to celebrate the victory. Uh, And we'd be getting it out there. But God, straight away, he goes up onto the mountain, puts his head between his knees, and he's praying in the promise. He's praying in the next thing. Nothing wrong with taking glory and basking a bit on the goodness of God, but he's always looking ahead. He's always looking to to what is happening next. And so Elijah, like the church, he says to his servant, go and have a look because God promised this stuff. I know there's no rain yet. We're still in famine. But he's just come off a great miracle, so surely he can believe for a little bit of rain. And uh, so his faith would have been high. He puts his head between his knees and he's praying. He's interceding. And this is the church right now, praying and interceding up on the mountain. We've had great victories in the past, but we can't bask on the victories of the past because the victories of the past is not going to save the next generation. The next generation needs the rain to come on a famine land. And interestingly enough, when we read this and we take it on for ourselves, we see that our posture always has to be prayerful. We always have to be praying because even though God will send the rain, Elijah, like the church, still needed to pray pray it in and have faith and be in a posture of waiting, looking, 
and that cloud, seven times the servant comes back. I was thinking about this, seven times. Now Ahab's gone off on his chariot and seven times, I'm sure it wasn't just a, a you know, a moment in between each. Uh, uh, Elijah's praying and praying. He sends his servant up. I'm sure it wasn't just like, come back, go there, come back, go there, come back. This, this might have been all day or something like that, half a day of interceding, praying in between bouts. Otherwise, the servant would say, hang on, I've just gone and have a look. Give me a break for a minute. And so this, you know, let's say it's an hour in between. That's seven hours of interceding, seven hours of waiting, seven hours of focusing on the promise and it not being there. And then finally, the servant comes back and says, there's a, there's a skerrick of hope. There's a tiny little cloud. If we look out and we see a tiny little cloud on the horizon, none of us in this room would think, oh, there's rain coming. We'd all think, oh, there's a tiny little cloud. And so for some reason, that gives Elijah enough hope to realize, ah, okay, there's something there. Look for the small clouds that are ahead of you. Because oftentimes God speaks in the smallness of things, not in the bigness of things. Those little things, those little openings, those little words of encouragement, those people around you who, are, who carry the fruit of the Spirit, or maybe they share with you an encouragement from the Lord, hang on to that stuff because it's gold when you need it. And it's gold right when you need it, oftentimes. And even when you might go back seven times to that same thing and see nothing, look for the small cloud, that little cloud. And it gives you a little bit of faith, doesn't it? I remember hearing Bill Johnson say, after they'd come back from Toronto, I think, and God was pouring out there, and they came back to Bethel, and uh, they thought, well, well, we'll hold a meeting, or maybe it was their Sunday morning meeting, and uh, nothing was really happening there in the, in the spirit, so to speak. There was no revival. Beth, no one knew who Bethel Church was or anything like that. And him and Benny, I think they had a, a prayer meeting or something after a service. And, uh, and, and I remember hearing him say this a number of times. Afterwards, they just asked for the Holy Spirit to come and they're hoping that God would move just like he did in Toronto. And, and nothing really happened. But then one, one person just began to shake a little bit in the presence of God. And you, you can hear him say, that was it. That was enough for them. They knew God was doing something. And sometimes that's all it takes. It doesn't have to be one person shaking or anything. But for you and for me, we look to that one little thing that he's doing. We say, give us more, Lord. Give us more, Lord. Because he often adds faith to faith. When we act in faith and we look to the small cloud, he will multiply. He'll give us more. And so seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as the man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Interestingly enough, when the rain comes and it was heavy, heavy rain that came here, um, obviously it would be quite muddy, quite slippery, I'm thinking, uh, and it would be you know, a bit of a mess. And somehow... God supernaturally charges Elijah's body. I'd love to have seen this. I don't know what happens, whether he gets taken, you know, floating across the ground or whether he just, I don't know, I don't know how a Usain Bolt type figure comes upon him and off he runs. But you've got to run pretty fast to beat a chariot for 27 kilometers, don't you? And uh, it's not a small little run, but in the sand over the rocks while it's raining, this is some accomplishment. 
But this is what God will do. He will supernaturally charge us with empowerment from on high when we follow the promise. And so the first thing is we've got to find his heartbeat for our lives, don't we? It's, it's a cry of humanity right now. Is so many people are looking for purpose. So many people, Christians as well, looking for purpose. What am I called for? Why am I here on earth? What's my calling? Maybe you're a, a jack of all trades, master of none. I've felt like that most of my life. Jack of all trades, master of none. You can put your hand to a whole heap of things, but what's your specialty? Do you know what? God picks on people's hearts, not on their hands. He'll pick on your heart first, and then he'll let your hands follow. And in that, he sees our heart, we see the cloud, and there's a reciprocating faith. Our faith grows. So hearing God's voice over your life won't be a thunderous moment. I'm sorry for those of you, maybe there's one in the room who's had a thunderous moment. Good on you. Go for it. You're a blessed person. Most people I know don't have a thunderous voice of God shaking them and telling them what to do. They have an inkling of the Spirit, a small cloud. You can miss it if you look twice. You could think, oh, that's just normal. It's the voice of the Spirit. Now, here's a hint for you. He won't go away for a while. He will annoy you. And there's that, there's that little uncomfortable feeling in your being that I am not in the right place or I am not following after that yearning of God. And this is, this is the power of God's presence and his spirit. He won't let us go. That's, that cloud that's there inside of us, the voice of God, that promise, he will bring back time and time again. And he'll keep reminding us of that calling. He'll remind us of his voice. He'll remind us how good he is. And you'll know if you're at peace, and I mean peace in your spirit. You don't have unrest. If you have peace in your spirit, you're probably in the right place. If you have unrest in your spirit, as in you're trying to force things and, you know, put square pegs in round holes and just make, manufacture things and it's just not happening, then take a step back. Take a step back. Look for the cloud. Listen to the cloud. And all of a sudden, there'll be drops of rain coming. And it's like, ah, okay, that's the place. And then obedience precedes the rain. So we step out in obedience, and then the supernatural provision comes. And this is pretty much the journey of every Christian. This is not some secret. Most of you know this. You'll know the difference between peace and unease in your spirit. If you're living in unease in your spirit right now, just be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. And all of a sudden, peace comes. Even if you're burdened down with debt and worry and you still don't quite know how scenarios are going to play out tomorrow and the next day. I've had this plenty of times. I, I want to encourage you, get a ride-on lawnmower. Because there's, there's nothing like the anointing of a ride-on lawnmower to just get out and hear God's voice and, uh, and just, just, just go for it. You've you got the big head muffs on so you can't hear anyone else. So you pretty much the only thing you've got to do is just pray and enjoy creation. And, uh, and it's kind of very unique. Now, a lot of you will have different modes of hearing God's voice. Get into that zone. Find your place of peace. For Elijah, it was head in his knees. Now, that might not be very comfortable for a lot of us. But for him, it was a place of intercession. I need to hear God's voice. I'm going up the mountain. I've got to hear his voice. Because he said rain was coming, but it isn't here yet. I've just had a great victory. 
I'm not going to bask in that because he said rain was coming. Now, interestingly enough, if you keep reading, and this is what I'll do in the, in the coming weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this, but he had battles yet to come. Most of us will have battles yet to come in our lives. I know that's not a, a great prophecy from heaven. That's called living as a human being. We face battles, some big, some small. We never know what God is preparing us for. We never know what that moment of intercession, you might be driving your car or reading your Bible tonight or praying tomorrow morning or going to the beach or whatever it looks like for you, getting in that place on Mount Carmel where you're waiting and watching for the promise to come about. Let me guarantee you, God will fulfill his word over your life. All it takes is obedience. You don't need to manufacture anything. You don't need to do anything and gain more popularity or gain more of anything or garner support or anything like that. If God's in it, he will do it. If he's in it, he will do it. And that's when we kick into faith and we go, wow, I'm expelling so much energy on trying to manufacture something. How can I manufacture something if it's God? We can't. How could Elijah have the strength to run that far in the rain, beating a chariot on that day, unless he was in the first in the place of intercession and prayer and preparation, and then watching in faith and saying, "Oh, the cloud, the cloud's tiny, but the rain's going to come." And here it comes. And I believe this is, a, this is a posture for us as the church in the world right now. To be honest, I don't think the rain of heaven is saturating us all over the earth. There's pockets, there's places, and we, we just bask in that and we love that. But it's not, it's not an all-saturating. There is a, a, a type of spiritual famine and there's, there's wars and there's rumours of wars and there's all sorts of things going on in the world right now. So we as the church, we as the people of God need to have our head between our knees praying, God, bring the rain. God, bring the rain over my family. Bring the rain over my city. Bring the rain over our country. Bring the rain over all of the different stuff because there's so much confusing stuff out there. But when the rain comes, he supernaturally charges us. He supernaturally charges us individually and us corporately as the church. Australia hasn't yet seen a fully supernaturally charged church in, in the history of our nation. There's been pockets. There's been little outbreaks of, of rain. But Australia, our nation, has not seen what it looks like when Elijah gets absolutely saturated with the rain of heaven and supernaturally runs. It's an amazing thing. And do you know what? God can do it in one day. One day of deluge of rain can break decades of drought. And isn't it an amazing promise? You know, the interesting thing when we read this is that we, we get filled with faith and we realize that God wants to do this stuff and then Monday comes. <laughs> I don't know about you, but Monday, you know, it's, it's like, all right, here we go again. And, uh, and maybe you don't feel like reading a faithful verse and putting on worship music, but it's just Monday. And this is when we need to, again, posture ourselves in this place where we're listening and watching for the cloud because he's always wanting to do something even beyond how we feel. I'll say that again. Even beyond how we feel, especially you feelers. If you're a feeler, then it can be one of those things. And Karen is a very high feeler. 
and I'm not saying this because she's not here because she, we talk about this all the time and she'll probably watch this back to check whether I was well behaved today and I'll do the same to her anyway. But very high feeler and so it, it's one of those things that we talk about regularly. Is, is this just something I'm feeling emotionally or is this something of the Spirit of God or is this something that's going on? And so God's Word overrides everything. His word overrides everything. Remember that when you're feeling down, when you're feeling like the world is caving in and when you might feel anxious or fearful or stressed, God's promise hasn't changed. The cloud is still the cloud. The cloud is still there. It's, it's us who move and shake, isn't it? We change and we chop and our feelings are impeded and, and, and change all the time, every week. But his word never changes. And the promise never changes and the cloud is always there. He always wants to bring rain. And, you know, it, it is particularly uh, when we're asking God for a move of God over our city, it can be a very frustrating thing because um, sometimes it doesn't happen in the way we want. Sometimes it doesn't happen in the time frame. In fact, it never happens in the way we want and it never happens in the time frame. I was, I was being too polite, wasn't I, to God? But the truth is he makes us wait ridiculously, ridiculously long amounts of time for the cloud, for the promise. And I believe that in each one of us, there's two things. There's the now and the not yet. There's the cloud of now. That's the cloud of today. The cloud that he will put over us today to empower us for whatever he's given us today and tomorrow and the next day. But then there's another one, a prophetic one that is off in the distance. And it is a greater move of God over the church. And it is a greater empowering. But he doesn't leave us alone. He sent us his spirit of God to empower us now, but to draw us into the not yet. And so we've always got this tension going on, haven't we? We're saying, God, do more, but he's clothed us with power now so that we can do what he's given us today. And if you're one of those who is always sort of looking ahead, maybe uh, prophetically saying, oh, God's going to do this over our city. I love that. I need that. But I also need the now. Because I might starve in the process of waiting for the not yet. Do you know what I mean? There's been many, many, many believers who have starved spiritually because the not yet never appears, even in their lifetime. You know, a great awakening may not happen in my lifetime. I'm sorry, it may but it may not as well. I know that's a terrible thought. That just depressed half of you in the room. But do you know what? He's given his spirit in an unlimited measure to us today. We have today what we need. And so we have, we have the now and the not yet. We have faith and works. We have both of these things working in tension. We are saved and we are being saved. And we are transformed and we're being transformed into his likeness. So we have this tension. And understanding this means that we can have faith for the bigger cloud, but we can have faith for today and for tomorrow. And there's, there's many amazing, amazing saints over the, the last 50 years who have been prayers and faithful believers who absolutely believed 100% that revival would come in their lifetime. And they're now with Jesus having a greater revival. We know in part and we prophesy in part. 
We know in part and we prophesy in part. We have the now of God and we have the not yet. We have a cloud that he's giving us a vision of. We're having great victories at the same time, but he also has a greater cloud over Elijah, the church of God in our city, in our nation, and over the, the world as a whole. And we can see God's promises are yes and amen. God has promises for you now. You don't have to wait to get into his presence. You don't have to wait to hear a word of God. He's available right now. That's why the Bible says when Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't leave us alone. He left us with a piece of himself called Holy Spirit, an advocate. Advocate means a one who comes alongside of you. And so we have the paraclete, the one who comes alongside of us, and he's right up close, and he gives us the now of God. The not yet is still there, but he empowers us with the now of God. And that's what we want to listen for, the now of God. If we miss the now of God, we don't get the not yet. And so he's giving many of us the now. What does it look like tomorrow? What does it look like next week, next month to live in the now, the present presence of God? The today presence of God. Where we're, not, we're not waiting on massive big things to happen, but he's saying, come on, I've been talking to you. I've been yearning, I've been speaking, get into my presence, get into my place of my will. Obedience is the door of access into his presence. Obedience takes us into the present of God, the now of God. Resisting that peace causes anxiety. It causes unease. <laughs> Some might say dis-ease. Do you know what I mean? We get that dis-ease in our body. We're just not completely at peace. Why? Because we're in the wrong seat on the wrong bus. I don't know about you if you've ever... I used to catch the bus to school sometimes and I'd, you know, forget the, the stop and uh, I wouldn't press the buzzer. I don't even know if they have bells and buzzers anymore, but I just forgot to press the button a few times. You might fall asleep and you end up a few stops ahead of yourself. It's a terrible feeling because then you've got a big walk backwards and you feel all weird and awkward and it's like, oh, man, now it's 20 minutes out of my way. That's what it can be like when we're not obedient to the voice of the Spirit of God today. He is speaking to you today. I believe that. Not because I'm speaking, but because his word is always speaking. And I know that when I read scripture, even in front of people, that the Holy Spirit gives it an anointing. It's not just words. The Holy Spirit gives it an anointing where it makes it real and powerful. And if we receive it, he will take us into the future. He will take us into the not yet because we listen to the now. And so that's really our prayer is to be like Elijah as the church, one who sees great victories of God poured out all over our families and our city and our nation, but also we're ready for the now. What is he saying to you today? What is he putting in front of you today? What has he been asking you? What maybe there's been a little unease in your spirit because you know there's something he's asking you to do. I want to encourage you. Step into the not yet by being obedient in the now. And as we step, the rain begins to come and supernatural empowerment begins to come. It might be a career change. It might be stepping out, talking to some people. It might be doing something that you haven't done before, even taking on something else, some more study. Or I don't know. It can be really practical. The not yet can be so practical it's boring and we miss it because we want something more exciting. But oftentimes he'll put in front of us just what we're needing for today and tomorrow. Not next year, sometimes it's too far off. What's he saying to you? What's 
the voice of God speaking to you? What does it look like on Monday after you've had a couple of coffees and finally your head's cleared and you can hear his voice again? And you, can, and you just actually listen to him. And then on Tuesday and Wednesday and next week, next month, what has he been putting in front of you? Because if he's the God that I know, there's always something. There's always something. He might be yearning you to spend more time in his presence. He might be yearning you to get more intimate with him or be obedient in some areas. God's not let you go yet and he'll never let you go. But he wants you in the now. He wants you in the now because an empowered you in the now is a supernaturally charged you tomorrow. And then he'll prepare you for the next place. Let's stand this morning. I don't want the worship team to come up again. The clock is all over the place. So it says it's 1.16. So I have no idea what I've been doing with timing. But uh, anyway, I th- actually it's 11.16. Okay, I've just worked that out. Yes, Zeph did tell me that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, just lift your hands and close your eyes. I want to pray and uh, we're just going to spend a couple of minutes just asking God for the now. Whatever it is now, whatever he's saying over your life now. He may be saying, let it go. Let something go. Just let it go. Don't resist his will. His will is perfection. And that's what we're going for. His will is perfection. And he wants you and me into a place of tomorrow, empowered, supernaturally empowered for tomorrow, for the not yet. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come in this room and supernaturally charge us with your presence, with your power, with your anointing for tomorrow. And we let go of stuff for today. Maybe there's distractions, maybe there's habits, addictions, things that have taken us away from your will. We let go of them today in Jesus' name. Just lay them at the foot of Jesus today. Lay them at the foot of Jesus. He takes all sin, all addictions, all anxiety, stresses, fears. He died to take every single one of them away. And so, Jesus, we give you this stuff. We give you our disease. We give you our sickness. We give you our unease or lack of peace from disobedience. We give it to you today, Jesus. And we ask for a transaction to take place a transaction of peace, that your peace that surpasses all understanding would begin to flow in this room right now. Holy Spirit, as only you can do. And we ask for your anointing to begin to flow. Let that peace flow like a river. Let your peace flow like a river in this room right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. If you've never been filled with his spirit, this morning's a perfect time. You might have let some stuff go. Just lift your hands and wait on him. Wait on him. Some of you are beginning just to feel a little bit different, a bit lighter. It's his presence. And we say more, Holy Spirit, fill us up today. Fill us up today with your anointing, with your power, with your wisdom. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Yeah, Holy Spirit, come. Let's wait for a couple more minutes. I believe he's just touching some of you, beginning to 
Just feel his presence. Go with that. Lift your hands even more and just begin to dive into whatever he's doing right now. And we just say, Holy Spirit, filling each one, filling each one. Hungry hearts filled in the name of Jesus, filled in the name of Jesus.